What's going on, you guys? I'm Ronnie. And this is Amanda. And this is Ground Zero. Welcome to Ground Zero. Alright guys, we are back again. Uh, sorry for the delay, we've had a crazy week or so. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we've had a lot going on, a lot of personal things, uh, funeral. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a, a, a hectic week, to say the least. So, we are back. So yeah, anyways, hope y'all have been having a good week. I hope you guys have been enjoying the occurrence at Pineview Forest so far. And I think if you guys are ready, we're ready to get into tonight's episode. And I will talk to y'all later. And Ronnie, let's get it from here. Here we go. Here we go. The occurrence at Pineview Forest. Part 3 I pass my rifle off to Helen. I need you to stay inside and protect yourself while I ready the outside. I cautiously walked over to our barn that was about a hundred feet away with Jericho with me. I stabled him and began to gather items such as barbed wire that I had purchased and thought to fence off our land after the winter season had passed. I also grabbed the chopping axe and sickle as a last resort, if things became in close contact. I began by wrapping the barbed wire around trees near our home in hopes that I could trip the monster to slow it down. I remember Helen having a dinner bell she used to use when I would be working outside. I went inside and grabbed it, bringing it out to the barbed wire and tied it up to hang there. That way, if the beast tripped on the wire, I would know and it would alert me by ringing out, and I could kill it before it even approached our home. I grabbed the chopping axe and headed to the barn. Below the barn was a cellar, and in it I stored my recent hunting kills. I grabbed the packaged leg scraps to bring inside. Helen was working on a stew and needed meat from the cellar. Once I entered, she looked concerned, worried for our child's safety. I wrapped my arms around her, embracing her with all my love. Everything is going to be okay. We will leave at first light, I said as I handed her the venison to prepare. I grabbed the rifle from her and stood watch towards the windows. Come on, you beast. If you're going to show your face, then show it. I mumbled as Helen walked away to prepare supper. It was now dark, an eerie sinister darkness. We sat quietly while the venison stew simmered over the crackling fire. I grabbed our lantern to help illuminate the room. Supper was nearly ready, and if we didn't eat soon, Emma was going to be falling asleep on an empty stomach. I looked to her as she curled up near the hearth enjoying the ever-warm embrace from the fireplace. 
Warm hues of light danced across her precious face as she sat there waiting for her bowl of stew. Helen began to pour our supper. With a nervous jitter, her hands would twitch as she spooned the stew into our bowls. Helen, it's okay, I explained. Everything is going to be okay. Let's just have supper and I'll keep watch while you two lie down for bed. Why don't we just leave now, she asked. We can take whatever we can gather and leave. Let's just go, she exclaimed, scared and riddled with fear. Listen, sweetheart, it's a bitter cold night, and for all we know, it could be right out there at the edge of the woods waiting. I can't risk that. I can't risk putting you and Emma in danger. We can leave at first light after you and Emma get the rest you need. We can travel during the daylight where we can at least see the beast approaching. Going out into the dark and freezing cold isn't worth the risk, I replied making a valid point that it would be dangerous to venture out into the unknown frigid temps in utter darkness. We sat there, eating our stew. Helen was quiet. It may have just been her nerves. She was frightened and upset but I was looking out for what was best for her and Emma. Though Helen looked at me as if what I implied was the wrong choice. The night grew later and Emma had fallen asleep. It wasn't long after that Helen followed. I sat up watching our home. My eyes would drift from the windows to the door then glance over towards Helen and Emma my beautiful family. I would guard them with my life until the death of me. They were mine and this beast wasn't going to take them from me. I paced the room, walking back and forth. My heart was pounding, rushing blood through my veins. I paced and paced when suddenly I heard what sounded to be the dinner bell chiming. With my rifle in hand, I swung open our door and ran outside. I ran to the corner of our land where I had strung up the barbed wire and dinner bell, but nothing was there. Just a bouncing barbed wire, like something got caught on it and ran off. I quickly moved in a circle, keeping every angle and direction in view. When I noticed, not far out in the distance, was a white-tailed deer. She must have tripped over the wire, trying to cross. I lowered my rifle and quickly headed back inside, locking the door behind me. I sat in my chair, facing the door and windows. I sat there waiting and waiting until my heavy eyes began to drop and I fell into a deep slumber. I fell asleep to what had seemed to be a couple hours, but when I awoke, I woke to a horrific sight. Something in my dreams told me to wake up. My heart was racing uncontrollably, forcing my body and mind to wake. When my tired eyes finally came to, I saw the ugly beast as it peered its hideous face into our window. It was no bear, nothing that I've ever seen before. 
Its eyes were so large and sinister, ominous even. It was as if I were looking into the darkest depths of hell. I froze, but only for a moment, my mind baffled at what my eyes were witnessing. The hideous beast stared in towards me, as if it were gazing into my soul. Those large black eyes brought forth an instant bone-chilling fear. I raised my rifle and took aim towards the beast. My eyes squinted as they remained focused on my target. I quickly squeezed the trigger, sending the bullet through our window, but the beast quickly moved out of sight, causing me to miss him entirely. The blast rang throughout our home, causing both Hella and Emma to wake up. She panicked and pulled Emma towards her chest, embracing her. My ears were ringing out from the gunfire. I'm sure Helen's and Emma's were as well. The monster was nowhere in sight. Our now broken window was letting in a frost-coated breeze. I looked at Helen as she looked back towards me, and suddenly the next thing I knew, I heard the beast up on our roof. I released the lever for the barrel to break open, expelling the empty cartridge to the floor. I loaded a new cartridge round and followed the noise as the hideous monster walked across our roof. I stopped aim on the edge of the roof towards the door to our cabin. Without hesitation, I squeezed the trigger. I quickly expelled the empty cartridge and reloaded again, firing rapid fire. As soon as I fired, I emptied and reloaded. The beast yelled out a gruesome scream. I think I wounded it. Still on the roof, I shot once more, and suddenly the beast went silent. I did it. I killed the beast. I looked back towards Helen as her eyes met mine. In that moment, we were safe. Our family was safe. When out of nowhere, the beast ripped through the wooden shingles and tore his way inside. I fumbled to grasp another shell to load into the chamber. The beast made his way inside and stood right in front of me. This beast was massive and full of muscle. It towered over me at least 8 feet tall and possibly 300 pounds. It snarled showing its sharp, rigid fangs. It quickly threw me across the room, rendering me unconscious. When I woke up, my head was throbbing. I ran my hand across the back of my head as I brought it forward into my line of sight. My palm was full of blood. I needed a doctor. My vision was blurry for about a minute or so, but as I gathered my stability and braced against our table, my vision began to clear. And as it cleared, I wished right then that it hadn't. My beautiful wife Helen and our precious daughter were nowhere to be found. I ran and stumbled outside screaming their names. I looked down and trails of blood ran deep into the dense, vast forest. I ran to the barn to saddle up Jericho and luckily he was still alive. We took off following the blood trail, galloping deeper and deeper into the forest when suddenly it vanished. The blood was there, and then it wasn't. It's like it just abruptly stopped 
and the trail ended. I spent every hour of daylight I had searching for them. When the sun began to set, I turned back. I stood there inside our condemned home with my rifle leaning against my chest, contemplating my next move. Entry Log, October 19th, 1891. It's been over four years and I've yet to find my wife and child. I never wanted to give up hope that maybe, by the grace of God, they somehow survived. But I'm losing hope. I miss them so very much, each and every day. But I won't for long. I soon will be with you, Helen, and you too, Emma, my beauties. It won't be long now. I write this so whoever finds this will know that the beast is still out there. I left drawings so you know what you're up against. I'll leave you now and just know that when you find my rotting flesh out in the dark, evil forest, know that I was not murdered, that I took my life willingly to be with my family, and the bullet that pierced through my skull is from my own rifle. Goodbye, everyone. I'm off to reunite with my family. With love, Jack Loggins. Jesus Christ. The story that this man, Jack, told in this journal is insane. The drawings and depictions he drew were spot on, down to the large, ominous eyes and body structure. I couldn't believe it. Imagine, or even fathom, what all he went through, and what it must have been like to endure four painful years after the horrific death of his wife and daughter. I stood there fumbling through the final pages of Jack's journal, staring into the old weathered stained pages trying to grasp the thought of what I had just read and the drawings that I had just seen. With his journal entries, it would seem that this monster Bigfoot-like being has been around for centuries, possibly even thousands of years or more. I looked close at the flooring in the cabin and seen the dark brown old blood stains. Areas on the wall still held places of blood splatter and the deep claw marks that looked to have sunk into the wood with tremendous force. It was like stepping back in time, in an unfortunate, horrific time. I pulled the piece of wood that wedged the door closed and cautiously opened the door. Everything was calm, cool, and crisp. The squirrels were running through the leaf litter on the forest floor in search of fallen acorns and other tree nuts. I needed to head out. I couldn't afford to stay much longer. I began walking in no particular direction, just walking with one foot in front of the next. I stepped through the thick, rugged forest and stumbled upon Jack's old barn. It was so overgrown and barely standing, the roof had caved in only leaving about a 
three-foot entrance point. I squeezed inside and barely had room to stand. The roof had fallen in leaving roughly a five-foot clearance from the ground to the top of the ceiling. My head slightly tilted forward from the lack of space. I'm five foot ten, so you could imagine what it must have been like. I rummaged through the old broken pieces of wood and debris, looking for anything that could be useful. From the roof falling in, it collapsed over the old cellar that he had. Old pieces of rotten wood and what looked to be his old farm tools had fallen down to the cellar floor. I carefully climbed down through a small opening between the wedged broken pieces of barn wood and from what looked to be a ladder that was no longer useful. I dropped to the bottom of what was about seven feet. My ankle still hurting, but I was determined to manage the pain and continue on. I looked around in the dark, barely visible cellar. The light seeping through the small opening gave very little visibility. I looked around and I could somewhat see old shelving where he stores his meats and other items. I tripped over debris on the cellar floor and came across his old chopping axe. It wasn't a gun, but it was a weapon nonetheless. I gave the cellar a few more overturns before retreating back up to the barn floor and out into the dreadful forest. I used the chopping axe as a cane by gripping the head of the axe and allowing the bottom of the handle to carry the weight off my fractured ankle. I dreaded my journey ahead. I was uncertain and unsettled, my mind in a constant state of fear with every step that pressed further into the sinister forest. I could feel my heart pounding nervously wanting to breach through my chest. I walked for what seemed to be a few miles and came across a bluff with a 200 foot drop to the bottom and a valley below that swept across the landscape from what looked to be hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles. I was clearly heading in the wrong direction. Fuck! I screamed out and swung the axe into the ground. I'll never make it out of here. I looked into the vast, endless amount of forest. It was daunting. It was then that I needed to decide on another route, or I would never make it out alive. And that's what I noticed out in the distance, just east of the vast bluff overlook, was a tower. It could have been an old radio tower but there could be an old forest road rangers would use to get to the tower. It was hope, and that was all I needed to press on. I slowly turned towards the direction I needed to follow and started carefully working my way down the steep, jagged bluff. I tucked in my shirt and flannel and stuffed the axe through the neck, allowing the head of the axe to rest against my back and my neck kind of like a quick fashioned holster. I slowly and carefully climbed down the face of the cliff, looking for places to wedge my feet and hands into as the cliff became steeper and steeper. Before I knew it, 
I was completely vertical, looking down a hundred feet or so, trying to find another place that protruded out to step down onto. There was only one way to get to the protruding edge just below my feet. It was close to about 15 feet down and looked to have had a spot in the rock to grip a hold of once I sticked the landing. I had to let go and slide slash free fall 15 feet to the edge below. It was either that or climb back up to the top. I took a very slow, long breath. I closed my eyes. You got this. We're gonna do this. Don't worry. It's all good. It's good. Here we go. I let go. And suddenly, everything around me was moving in slow motion. I could see the pebbles of the rocks from my feet scraping against the wall and lift up into my line of sight. I only had one chance at this. My feet hit the edge and I instantly gripped the side wall. The axe literally in my back bounced loosely, nearly cocking me in my head. I did it. I fucking did it. The sudden pain surged from my foot into my brain, then back to my foot, letting me know I was hurting. I needed to hurry off this rock and get to level ground. It took a little time, but I made it to the bottom. What a relief I felt as I sat down for a brief moment on a small boulder near the cliff wall elevating my foot just to give it temporary relief. The radio tower only looked to be a few miles ahead, but with my foot, I knew I'd be lucky to get there before nightfall. I threw the bottom of the axe handle down towards the ground and continued forward. The trees and underbrush grew thick, making it a challenge to get through. At every chance, I had, I would find an active animal trail and use it to give myself a break from pushing through thick underbrush and low tree limbs. I tried to think about the beach, but I just couldn't. I began thinking more about surviving and what it would feel like to see a paved road and a bypassing car to flag down. The animal path was tall yet narrow, but easier to move through. It must have been an active deer trail. It seemed too narrow to be a black bear trail. Those were my hopes anyway. Every so often, I would have to stop not only to give my foot a rest, but my shoulder from bracing my weight against the axe. But with less underbrush, bushes and low-lying branches, I felt I was gaining headway. It was nearly sunset as I approached the tower. In all honesty, the tower looked aged and worn like it hadn't been used in quite a few years. Overgrowth surrounded the tower and began protruding upwards 
towards the observation deck that stood at least 200 feet above the ground. The old metal stairways were in terrible condition. Areas were covered in thick moss and rust from the lack of care. It was clear that no one had used this tower in ages. Some of the steps were completely rusted through, leaving me concerned as I carefully shifted my weight onto the next step. The ground below me looked further and further away as I was standing on the last stairway near the top. I balanced my weight on the handrail, slowly picking my feet up from one step to the next, when the steps suddenly crumbled beneath my feet. My foot slipped through the now gaping hole, but luckily I caught myself on the handrail, and I pulled my foot out from the jagged, rusted hole. God damn it! That was a close call. I felt in near defeat, but pushed forward. I quickly made it to the observation deck and looked out towards the smoky forest. Under different circumstances, that sight would have been more beautiful. I turned around and walked towards the watchtower door. It was unlocked. I pressed the steel door open and made my way inside. It was strange. It was like stepping back in time. Like whoever used to work at this tower never returned. At least that was what it seemed like with the old pull-tab Pepsi sitting on the desk. Have a Pepsi day, it said on the can. Huh. I wonder what year that was from. Somehow, there was still about a third left inside the can. A small metal cooler on the side of the desk held three more drinks two other Pepsis and a Dr. Pepper. Be a pepper can. I was dying of thirst, and at that point, I didn't care. I mean, yeah, it's crazy old, but they're not opened. I pondered for only a moment. Fuck it. I pulled the Pepsi open and brought it to my nose thinking maybe by smelling it, it would give off an indication if it were bad or not. I smelt nothing. Nothing strong or putrid. Anyway, my lips grazed the top of the can. I could feel a bead of sweat drip from my brow. I was nervous. I took a small microscopic sip. I let the flavor rest on my tongue while it gathered the taste. It was obviously stale with zero carbonation. The flavor was a mix of dark cocoa and a strong bitterness, like a mouthful of batteries. Though the taste wasn't great, it was tolerable. I chugged the rest of it down and finished it off. Nasty, yet satisfying. I said, as I left the other Pepsi and Dr. Pepper can stored in the old metal cooler for later. The place looked untouched since its last inhabitant. An old rotary phone sat on top of the desk with no dial tone. I wasn't surprised given the state of the tower's present condition. The phone line 
could have gotten torn from fallen limbs or disconnected miles and miles away. Even though it looked as if the tower hadn't been visited in 40 years or more. I guess I was still hopeful that somehow the phone was still active. An old CB radio sat next to the rotary phone, though no power was coming through when I turned the knob. Shit! God damn it! I shouted in absolute frustration as I swung the corded microphone back down against the desk. I sat there on the steel floors leaning my back against the rusted corroded wall. I placed my hand against the top of my head, gripping my hair, nearly wanting to rip it out. I was so ready to leave that fucking forest, so badly hoping that the phone or CB radio would have worked to call out for help. So ready to see a glimpse of hope, I was devastated. I could feel my heart sink as I lost yet another sliver of hope. I sat against the wall for a few hours. The sun had set against the smoky mountains, bringing on another dark, dreadful night. I stood up and peered out the windows, leaning forward against the desk. The star-painted sky illuminated the smoky mountains, just enough to see their silhouetted shapes as they curved across the open landscape. For a moment, I had thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. A quick flash of light beamed out into the distance. I looked out further with intentness, then limped my way out onto the observation deck. I peered out with my hands against the railing, wondering what it was that I was seeing. There was again a quick flash, then gone, when suddenly that bright light that appeared turned a soft red. Wait. It's a car. It's a fucking car. I screamed out, overjoyed of what I had just seen. Oh my god, a fucking car. Holy shit. It was amazing. A breath of fresh air. I could actually breathe. My eyes locked onto its location, because wherever that was, I was going to deadhead into that direction come sunrise. There was a road that way, and I was going to make it out that next day. I was so excited, so overjoyed, I could have left just then. But the temps were dropping into what felt like the mid-40s, and I knew that fighting my way through the darkness with other predators also on the hunt would have been a nightmare to say the least. It's already been a fucking nightmare and I was so ready to wake up. I grabbed the old Pepsi can and sat back up against the wall. Here's to tomorrow and getting out of this shithole forest, I said as I pulled the tab open and cheers myself into the air then took a drink. God, I hope I don't get sick. I sat there with the old can, just holding it, looking down towards it as the moon eliminated the tower, just enough to see the can. My eyes focused on it as I began thinking about where I might have been 
if I didn't pull off onto the side of the road. I would have been at the beach. I would have been safe and alive. I wouldn't have had a busted ankle or had to fight off a fucking Sasquatch. I placed the old can down onto the floor beside me and leaned my head back against the wall and began to doze off, ready to see the light of day. That's going to do it for tonight's episode, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoy our content and you would like to follow us on whatever platform you use for podcasts, that would be amazing. We definitely appreciate all the support we get. So we thank you guys so much for supporting us. There will be one more episode for this story. It will be the final chapter. So I hope you guys stay in tune for that. We definitely have a lot more story ideas that I'm working on right now constantly writing so uh, definitely a lot more ideas coming but anyway I thank you guys so much for your support until next time good night